And that's right, you are live in the studio here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. I am, of course, Alexi Boyd, your trusted admin advisor, lover of all things small business advocate and broadcaster. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am super excited about today's show because I'm going to be talking about something that I love, that I've been doing for the last four years and I'm quite passionate about, and I'm going to be talking to someone else who is equally passionate about it, and that fantastic topic today is podcasting. Welcome to the show, Ash Roy. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's the first time in a radio station, and I'm absolutely in love. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's got a certain magic about it, doesn't it? That, absolutely. That whole live radio, 100.1 FM, on the FM band waves, and it's, um, it's fun. It's, it's yeah. really exciting. So well done to Community Radio for being with us for so long here in Hornsby. Um, now, today's show is all about podcasting, as I mentioned earlier, and it is, um, it is a bit of a, it was a lost art probably up until about five years ago, and, and it suddenly exploded once again with the advent of iTunes and Spotify and people walking around listening and educating themselves on their uh, their phones and their devices and in their cars and it's really a great opportunity not only to learn as what is what we're passionate about here on Small Biz Matters but also all about uh, about getting yourself out there and that's what we're going to be talking about today the potential that podcasting can bring you and your business and what it can mean in terms of your sale and marketing strategy. Now, Ash, um, I'm very excited to be welcoming you to the show today because you have been doing this for um, a long time. I, I just tell the story, I said this to a couple of people in the last couple of days, where I've looked you up online and gone, yeah, right, podcaster, okay, yeah, right, you've probably got like five podcasts <laughs> from 2012 on <laughs> iTunes. And then and um, to have someone that's got that real established reputation, incredible guests on the program, um, it's great to have someone who is so experienced such as yourself. So tell me why it is that you're so passionate about podcasting and what got you into it in the first place. Okay, so I think the best place to, best place to start is my story where I was working in corporate before. So I did about 15 years in finance and strategy and after having suffered through a bachelor's in business in accounting, <laughs> which I really hated, and, and then a CPA... Yes, I'm a masochist. Um, <laughs> I then went on to do my MBA and I fell in love with marketing when I did my MBA from the Australian Graduate School of Management and I really got a lot of value out of that and I related to the whole concept of marketing. Around the same time, I was starting to get quite disillusioned with the whole corporate dream and there were quite a few things that were happening around me that were not aligned with my values. And... Uh, I had a bit of a personal tragedy around then. My first son... Uh, sadly passed away about an hour after his birth. And that was my wake-up call. For me, it was, wow, life really is short, and I experienced that firsthand. The irony of the situation was that my wife, who happens to be an obstetrician, uh, couldn't do a thing to help him, of course, because she was delivering him, and uh, literally. And a lot of the obstetric community that was around us couldn't do anything to help him either. So I think what really hit home for me was how fragile life is and hmm. how you really need to do what matters to you because it's going to be gone maybe sooner than you think. So I started doing these consulting gigs. I quit my full-time job at Telstra at the time and I started doing these consulting gigs. Oh, that really was full-on corporate, wasn't it? I mean, when we think corporate as in the worst possible corporate entity you can think of, you yes. do, you, your mind does go to banking or telecommunications. And so, that, was my, that was my 
history before Telstra. Wow. I was in banking. Wow. So wow. I finance, did, then telecommunication. Yeah, so. No wonder you wanted to get out. I mean, exactly, really. yeah. I, I must say the telecoms products were far more interesting than banking. Banking was really boring and it's very dry and I did about 10 years of that, funds management and then retail banking. Could I just put stop you there for a moment? You did retrain. I mean, you clearly went, uh, not retrain, but you, would, you were studying and, and you went into corporate but even that studying and that didn't enable you to move within the corporate landscape into something that you were interested in? Was it still quite stifling for you? Sure. It, well, there were options mm. but I think one of the other factors that I couldn't get in a corporate setting was being my own boss and directing my own future. At the end of the day, in the corporate environment, you can do whatever you want as long as you do what they say. Mm. In other words, you can't do what you want. You're right, yes. You are very limited with what you can and can't do. And for me, I really felt very trapped. It was like being in the mental equivalent of a straitjacket. And you might not even know what it is that your purpose is. I guess in a lot of these places mm. when you're such a cog in a, such a large wheel that you might not know what your place is and what their, what, what's their purpose, what's their grand vision, what are you trying to aim for? You're just doing one little widget job. Exactly. And it's hard to know where that sits. Exactly. Whereas when you work for yourself, it's the exact opposite. Correct. And also a large proportion of corporates are directed by shareholders and the board of directors and their primary objective is profit and I personally think profit's important but there are other things that are important to me besides profit Mm. and ethics is something that really matters to me a lot personally and I'm not suggesting that everybody has to align with my values but I don't feel comfortable working in an environment where I don't feel aligned with the overall objective. So once you've had this epiphany that as a result of such a, a monumentous life moment, uh, is it literally that you woke up one morning and went, I know what I'll do, I'll do podcasting. <laughs> I'm imagining that's not the case. That's definitely not the case. What, what was the path that you went down? And I guess what I'm asking today is, uh, because you and I discussed this, it's, it's a slow burn, mm. like with everything that's successful, it looks like an overnight success, but it's not. Um, what could you have done to really have accelerated that? So they say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I interviewed John McGrath from McGrath Real Estate, that I think those are the words he used. Um, so I'll, I'll just pick up the story where I left off earlier, and that is I was doing these consulting gigs and they were getting shorter and shorter and the gaps between them were getting longer and longer. And then my wife says to me, uh, these consulting gigs, what's going on? You know, they're getting shorter and the gaps between them are getting longer. What are you, what are you, what's going on here? And I said, well, I actually want to, be a writer and she said 15 years in finance and strategy you have a cpa you have an mba and you're going to become a writer (laughs) what is wrong with you now being a surgeon she doesn't mince her words but uh it was funny we both went through the same situation we responded very differently she doubled down and became even more focused on her work and i decided to spread my wings and uh, find myself um It wasn't easy. It was hard work. I started a blog in 2013, I think, or maybe 2012. What was that blog about? It was initially about productivity because at the time I was in love with these apps, you know, Mac apps and iPhone apps. And in fact, my business was inspired within an Apple store. I used to spend a lot of time at the Apple store. And I was very inspired by Steve Jobs' minimalism and so on. In fact, the Steve Jobs address the Stanford address, is this other inciting factor. That's the other thing that I came across around the time of my son's passing that really, you know, 
it was it was a confluence of those two events, having mm. watched the Steve Jobs address and my son's passing, that got me to just say, you know what, life is short and you've got to move on with it. Because Steve Jobs talks about how death is the ultimate change agent and I wrote a long blog post about it actually on my website later on. So I started off as a writer. I enjoyed writing but I was finding creating the content took a lot of time and effort and it was very much driven by me. It was also quite difficult to monetize the blog. Yes, yeah. And so then I sought out somebody else who would help me to monetize my business and that was a guy called James Shramko who is from Sydney too and he really was very helpful in getting my podcast launched. Is that just sort of like did you have a, a hard launch or a soft launch or did you have a big rah-rah? I mean I always I always curious about these launches because I think well you can have a soft launch which is basically where you just go or you can have a party yes. and go nuts and invite celebrities. I mean what what's obviously where's the middle ground? For Great that? question. Well my answer to that would be whatever you do, get the thing launched as soon as possible if that's what you have decided to do. In my case, it was a soft launch. To give you some perspective, I had an interview with a fairly well-known person online, a guy called Neil Patel, who's based in the United States. I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, so I had that sitting on my hard drive for one and a half years and I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And James... Shramko said, just publish it. And I said, oh, but you, everyone's saying you need to have three episodes before you publish and stuff. He said, just publish it. So I published it. And then I went back to him and said, now what do I do? What do I, <laughs> what do, I do next? And he said, I'll be your next guest. You know. And so within a couple of minutes, he was on and we recorded an interview. And then I started attending events. I attended one of his events that he holds every year here mm-hmm. in Sydney. And I asked a lot of the guests that were speaking at the event to be on my podcast. And let me guess, you didn't have anyone say no, did you? No. Actually, I did have one person say no, but almost everybody else said yes. Yeah, everybody loves the opportunity of, of speaking and being able to converse. And I think just as a sideline, that's where that's where podcasting really comes into its own because it's conversational and you can create a lot more content than you would otherwise with the written word. Exactly. And you're bringing in somebody else's expertise and you're showcasing their expertise. Now, there are a couple of caveats, though, because podcasting is starting to get more and more popular Mm -hmm. and so the novelty aspect of will you be on my podcast yeah what's a podcast sure i'd love to be on your podcast that is starting to wear off indeed so you need to really understand the person you're asking to be a guest on your show you can't be a pain about it you need to be gracious about it you need to build some kind of a relationship first and you need to give them a compelling reason to be on your show and one of the best reasons I found is aligned with their mission. Mm. So if, for example, uh, your guest has a strong mission that drives them to teach podcasting, like John Lee Dumas was a guest on my show, for example. He's the go- podfather, they call him. The podfather. <laughs> um, and I was able to align with his main goal of growing podcasting as a medium yes and 
asked him, will you come and talk about it on my show? Yes. So with the exception of politicians, where we all have trouble <laughs> aligning with their values, it's, it, I see what you're saying there. You, you find the right person, you research about them and what is it that you're going to be able to be conversational with? I mean, if you've got someone in the room who you don't know, and I have done this myself, I've interviewed people who have walked in the door and it's been set up by this weird, elaborate PR media company and they walk in and I haven't got squat about them apart from the PR, what they've fed me. And it's been a terrible interview. There's no connectivity there. There's no conversation. Um, so what's the best way of, of actually connecting with people beforehand? Do you recommend the, at minimal, minimal a, a sit-down chat or a, a, at least a phone call? That's a great question. I think that people aren't always available for a sit-down chat, particularly the people I tend to interview who tend to be quite high profile, so they're time poor. So I have this little hack that I've created mm. and that is a standard structure that I use, which uh, was initially... Um, it was called the format framework. I think Benice, uh, a, a teacher from, I think from Australia, it's mm. Benice something, um, she talked about, you know, why is this topic important? What is the topic about? So a bit more information about it. How does one go about implementing key ideas from the topic and action steps they can take? Mm. So keeping it quite practical. Yeah, so keeping mm. it quite practical. So I have a standard format that I use to ask the guests to be on the show. So I send them that sort of pre-pro forma, pro forma, sorry, of the conversation. It's like a run sheet. Yes. And I also have a nice bio of theirs, which I find. So it shows that I've put some time and effort into it. So they have some sense of what we're going to be talking about. Now, we don't necessarily have to stick to that format, but we, at least there's a talking point that gives the guests some sense of, okay, I know what I'm going to be talking about. This does align with what I believe in and this does align with my mission. So, yeah, I'll be a guest on the show. Awesome. And so sometimes, like you said, it's, it, or, the ideal is to sit down with someone over a cup of coffee and, you know, obviously the next best thing is to sit down and have a chat on the phone for a little while. If, but if someone's time poor, you've got to have some sort of a strategy in place because you don't want to miss out on those great guests. If you've managed to get yeah. that connection and often it'll just land in your lap, won't it? You'll be like, okay, <laughs> clear the decks. You tell me when you want to come on my show. One of those guests, if you're lucky mm. enough to grab hold of them, you need to make yourself as available as possible to make it as easy for them as possible. See, the thing is, once you get enough big-name guests on your show, it then becomes... Cons the, the, the people that are not on your show become conspicuously absent. Mm. So you can actually reach out to them and say, here are some other guests I've had on the show. Would you like to be on? And often they will say, yes, I would like to be on because they can see that all their peers are on there. Yes. So you don't necessarily have to do the coffee thing. I think initially you might have to do that. But once you've got a few big names, it becomes a lot easier to get other guests on. Now, one of the things we talked about yesterday was um, the topics. And I, I think um, I make it almost more difficult for myself because I cover everything in small business and it's quite broad, whereas uh, other places might only do sales and marketing. Everybody does sales and marketing. There's a lot of mm. sales and marketing stuff out there. So um, when do you think it's important to, to niche those ideas right at the beginning or do you think it's important to develop your skills first and then eventually work out what you really want to be targeting in your podcasts? That's a great question. For me personally, I've taken the approach of going broad first and then niching down. I know that the general conventional approach is, you know, you've got a niche because if you try and be everything to everyone, it will be nothing to anyone. Yes, that is true. However, in my case... 
I have a very broad range of interests. And so I've decided to initially have four main themes in my podcast and I've niched using those themes. So if you go to my YouTube channel, for example, you'll find playlists around these four themes and the themes are mindset, using online strategies to grow your brand and your business, authority, uh, personal productivity and effectiveness, and the fourth one is content marketing, podcasting being one of those forms of content marketing, the other two being video and written content. So I think once you have those four themes, then people can align with one of those four themes. But it also gives you the benefit of having more choices when it comes to content creation. Because remember, if you go really niche, you might run out of topics and you might run out of guests. So you really need to strike a balance. I wouldn't say talk about business and then talk about philosophy and then talk about birds. Sure, that's <laughs> that's not that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But try and pick a niche that's broad enough to give you some room to move. In my case, it's business strategy using or business growth using online strategies. And these four, these four categories I talked about all fit nicely into that. I like what you said earlier as well about the fact that it's about what you're interested in, what you can talk about. Yeah. Because there's no point in interviewing people if you're bored. And exactly. it's not something that, that actually enga- you're engaged with yourself because your audience is never going to engage with it if you don't sound Spot engaged. On. And more importantly, when you interview your guest, it is critical that you bring some value to the table because you're the one constant through your podcast as the host. And if you just ask your guest questions and you passively just ask the questions and don't embellish what they say or challenge what they say or you know bring your own expertise and your own background to the table then it's a very bland experience both from a guest perspective and the audience's perspective mm, so indeed. you need to always ask yourself well, what can i bring to this tape to this conversation yes what value can i add and for in my case it might be things i've learned during my mba or in my business background or in the dozens of other podcasts you've had you've had previously exactly. it builds it's, yeah. it's like a it's like a bank of information spot on and often I know the podcast episode is successful if the guest is very enthusiastically responding and waving his or her arms around because sometimes what I might do is they might say something and a lot of them are self-taught because they're very successful entrepreneurs but I might mention a framework I learned when I did my MBA and something clicks for them Mm. and so then it forms a really strong bond and then I can reach out to them later on and ask them about other things maybe not necessarily favours, but just form a connection. And that touches on the reason why it's a good idea for small business to think about this as part of their marketing strategy. Um, I don't think it's a great deal of work uh, compared to the written word, but that's just the way my brain works. I can talk underwater and love it, (laughs) but other people find it easier to write things down. Sure. So I think it ties in nicely with you've got to know why you're doing this. The guests you have on the program have to align with your topics, as you said, but they also, you need to discuss with them in something you're interested in. But ultimately, what's the point of having that person on the show for you? You've got to try and remember that this is essentially not a chat fest, but there's a reason why you're doing this. And and does this person help you? Um, And then if you've got the time and you've got the energy you get onto your CRM and you write down what you talked about and where the potential lead might be after the program as well. Yes. Another really important point that you kind of touched on that I want to really draw out is 
you as a podcaster are representing your audience. So if you have a guest on, your guest must be able to bring value to your audience, to mm. your listenership, mm. because you're the gatekeeper. And if they don't bring value to the, the audience, then it doesn't matter how awesome the guest is, you should not have them on your show. Yes. Um, the other part to that is if you do have a guest on your show and you know they do a lot of waffling maybe, then it's your responsibility to edit aggressively and make it engaging for your audience because we are now in a world of information overload. So if you want to deliver information and education effectively, then you must be engaging and hopefully entertaining. Well, that ties me into what we're going to come back to after our break. We've got a break for a couple of community service announcements. When we come back, I want to talk to you about grabbing their attention right from the get-go and talking about titles and getting hold of them right even before the podcast even begins. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after these short announcements. So we are in the studio with Ash Roy, uh, one of my possibly favourite guests of the year, and that's saying something because it's November. (laughs) I'm really excited to be talking to you all about podcasting and how people who are involved in small business might consider this part of their marketing strategy um, or even be involved in a podcast themselves. So we were talking just before the break about uh, picking the perfect guest, making sure they align with your values, making sure you're interested in the topic that they're going to be talking about and considering the topics that you yourself are going to be covering in the podcast. So the big question is, how do you grab people's attention? Um, if you're going to do it weekly or well, let, let's ask that question first of all, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. How frequently should you do this? Because consistency is so important, isn't sure, it? Sure, yeah. Uh, I get asked this a lot. So frequency is something you can pretty much pick, but try and stick to a certain consistency. So my recommendation to people when they start off is start with once a month. And if you think you can honour once a fortnight or once a week or whatever, do that, but wait till the honeymoon period has passed. So keep recording episodes, just Mm. don't drip them out until you're confident that you can stick to a certain schedule. That said, I have changed. I started off weekly and then I dropped to monthly and now I'm doing fortnightly. It also t- partly depends on the amount of guests you have and the flow of guests and so on. And also your reputation because you yourself could probably do it every... You could drip feed it erratically, I imagine, with your uh, longevity. So at the beginning, yeah. I guess that consistency is more important. Exactly. That's exactly right. Once you have a certain bank of episodes, people have other content to go back and listen to. Mm. And the other thing you want to do is also cross-promote your content. So you mention in episodes, if you found this episode useful, you might find episode 56 and 74 and so on useful. Right. Okay. So you've got your, your episode or you've got, you've got those, those topics uh, selected. You've, you've done a pre-record because obviously it's podcasting. Um, how do you grab people's attention with the title? Because, you know, we all know we're, we're down to what, 0.4 of a second of attention span these days. <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to see and make it valuable to your listeners and, and grow that listener audience through um, yeah. the naming of the podcast? This is one of the most important skills, I think, and that is being able to write good quality headlines. And I've interviewed some of the world's leading thinkers in these areas. Uh, two of the founders of Copyblogger, Brian Clark and Sonia Simone, and also John Morrow, from whom I learned to write in episode three. The key is be able to come up with a headline that, A, is attention-grabbing, and often starting a headline with the words how-to is quite interesting to people because it tells them, it implies 
you're going to teach them something mm-hmm. or having a specific number at the start of he- the headlines of five ways to etc. Is et that cetera. still a thing? Because that, well, that's been around for so long. Is that, is that actually still working? Great I, question. I just feel like it's overdone. Sure. And the, the point, though, is it's not just the headline. So, yes, it is overdone, but what matters is after you write that headline, your content, whether it's written, audio or video, must fulfill the headline because that builds your reputation. So something becomes clickbait, not just because of the headline, it's because of what happens after they click on the headline. So you have one or two attempts maybe to prove to people that you deliver on what you say. And your headline is the promise, but then your content must fulfill that promise. Otherwise, don't write the headline. Um, There are very clickbaity headlines like don't do this today or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) Or, you know, if you don't read this, Uh, you know, bad things will happen to you, whatever it is. And that's just silly. But you do need to have a way of being able to engage your potential audience. And headlines are a great way to do that. I also use something called the Headline Hacks Report, which I share with my members. And that was something I learned in one of my previous, uh, from one of my previous mentors. And that's within the membership, which we'll talk about later on Mm, in the program. mm. So that's that's really exiting because... um it sounds to me like it can be a bit formulaic because if you're lost be. and you're not sure, there's so many different things you've got to try and set up for this. Uh, you can be formulaic and that's okay, but you have to deliver. Yes, and you can't be too formulaic, but I think the key here is the formulas or the formulae are just structures. So you, it is your responsibility to be able to play around with the structure and test, test, test. So you test different headlines, see what works and learn from those and develop your own style mm. around headlines. Because remember, every audience is different as well. Yes. So you need to understand your audience. It all comes back to your audience. What headline works for your audience? Could I just ask you uh, about audience there because you've just mentioned it. How do you measure your audience participation in podcasting? It's a very difficult thing to do because podcast analytics is still in the Stone Age. However, last year, Apple released some software updates where you could see some podcast analytics around that. Other Um, than just listeners? Other other than than just just downloads and listeners. Um, But that said, you can speak to your listeners i'm sure you would know one or two of them and try and get a feel for that you can also send emails to your mailing list which i highly recommend you grow that's another thing i teach and in those emails you can test multiple headlines i use something called active campaign and that automatically tests two or three different headlines and then it tells you which one won and you can learn from those so you have an iterative iterative approach right okay and i must say that in doing that with small biz matters i just realized i've been sending out newsletters that literally say small biz matters 5th of november 2018 right and then last week i went hang on why don't i just say who's coming on the show right and straight away at at the moment i did that i immediately got more click-throughs right so that's engagement yeah and if you said take that one step further if you said uh, XYZ is going to be on the show or sorry how to learn more about podcasting with Ash Roy mm, check it out to. or something yep. now I'm like oh I'm going to learn something about podcasting and it's a very clear signal because if I don't want to learn about podcasting I'm not going to click on it that's right but that way the headline actually repels people you don't want as well which is what you want to do because you don't want to 
draw people in and then they don't get what they want. So. That's right. And, and again, delivering on, on what you promise is so yeah. important. So we've talked about uh, the headline being um, the actual headline of the podcast itself. A little bit about the marketing as well. Now, is there a particular area? I'm a business. I'm thinking about doing podcasting. Let's forget about what area of business I'm in. Um, we'll come back to the launch in a second. But generally on a, on a poor podcast basis, where do I advertise? You mean with your podcast? Yeah. How do I tell people what's coming up on the show beyond a mailing list, which I don't have yet because I don't really have the numbers yet? So you can do what is called content amplification. So typically you have a podcast that resides not just on iTunes, but also on your website. Mm -hmm. And the way we do it is we have it on our website and then you can promote that through social media. So I have something called Amplifer. There's all sorts of things, Buffer and Hootsuite, all these various things allow you to propagate your content across the various social media channels. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand the unwritten rules of those channels. So for example, on LinkedIn, you don't want to publish more than once a day. On Facebook, it's okay to do maybe two or three times a day. On Twitter, you can do five times a day. So you need to understand those unwritten rules. You need to use hashtags. You can then put some advertising towards those particular episodes. And what you want to do is when you drive people to your website, you want to offer what is called a content upgrade. So grab these show notes of this podcast episode in a PDF format, just enter your email address (gasps) and in exchange for that, you get a PDF. Show notes. Now you're building your list. Yeah. Okay. I get that now. So those are the things I teach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, That makes a lot of sense because you've got to go in order to do A, you get B. Exactly. And and now you have an email address. And so you very respectfully, and this is key, you don't want to spam your email list because you will develop a bad reputation. I hate spamming. Um, You send that list useful content that is relevant to them. And you can do that by creating what is called a tagging strategy. So if they're interested in something about productivity, you might have a link in your email. They click on that and in the background you can tag them as having been expressed interest in productivity. Ooh. So you just send productivity content. I talked about this with a guy called Andre Chaperon in episode 140. It's a really good way to approach it. Hang on, stop there for a second. Do you know all of your episodes and what numbers they are or you're just thinking of the best ones? <laughs> no, I well, I know about 60 or 70% of them. They're like wow. my babies. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, um, so you've got your content, you've got your advertising, advertising strategy somewhat and you need to play around with it and that's the same with everything in small business we all know that you need to do tests and things like that now as you were talking and you've built up a half decent database and you've been going for a while Mm. is it too intrusive in your opinion to ask people through say a survey about what they want to have what what topics they want to have on the show and ask them for suggestions it's not intrusive if you do it intelligently Mm -hmm. i think if you were to send them say five pieces of content in an email and say click on whichever one you want uh, to download, you're giving them something in exchange for what they're clicking on. As opposed to just their answers to a survey. As opposed to asking them for something without giving them something in exchange. So I'm always looking for ways to give value. Yes. And then when they click on those things, you can tag them in the background if you use Active Campaign properly. Okay. Right. So there's a lot of, um, it, sounds, it sounds to me like there's a lot of setup. And if we go back to that concept of your launch, um, you mentioned a soft launch. So you just kind of went with it. And at the beginning of the program, you were talking about, uh, you know, just, just start. If you've got a couple of episodes, just go rather than having everything set up. Should you have a strategy in place before you start or should that just organically happen as you go on and then you start making decisions about which direction you want to head? Because I just feel like 
the organised mind in me wants to have everything set in stone and be finite and definitive before I even begin. Uh, whereas a more creative person will be going, ah, we'll just get started, see how we go, see what happens and then work out the analytics from there. Which do you think is the best approach? I think in three words I would say the best approach is ready, fire, aim. So I've been talking to a guy called Seth Godin by email and he's a blogger who's been blogging every day for many years and I've been thinking about all sorts of reasons not to start writing every day and about four days ago I sent him an email saying in response to something he wrote, I have been having all these concerns. And he said, all these are just unhelpful things. I would say just begin. So I wrote a blog post called Just Begin on my website because I want to restart writing. Mm-hmm. And the blog posts aren't 2,000 words long. They're just like few sentences. But I write every day. So my answer is it's more important to just get started and then you will figure things out later on if that is something that you have decided to do. Yes, yeah, so make a definitive choice. Because if just, you yeah. overplan, if you're like me, you will just keep planning and you'll be stuck in planning. You'll build a castle in <laughs> your mind and nothing will get launched. Indeed. Well, that's, uh, that's really some really good advice there in, in regards to getting started. And what were those three words you said again? Ready, fire, aim. There's a book by that name, actually. Ah, okay. Look, check it out, everybody. You're listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. We're going to take another short break and we'll be back with Ash Roy after this. So we are live in the studio today, podcasting and on the radio, and we're talking about podcasting with a podcaster and myself, a podcaster. Ash Roy, thank you for coming on the program You're again. welcome. And we're recording it on video. And we are. And it's an absolute honour to be here, so thank you for having That's me That's a on. pleasure. We're being, we're being incredibly multimedia-ish today. That's right. So we've been talking about podcasting and how you can potentially utilise this in your business. Just before the break, you were explaining the best way to grab an audience's attention, and that, of course, is partially through the title, partially through the topics that you cover, and, of course, through your guests. And I think everybody, when they start podcasting they need to position themselves Mm. i think it's very important that if you're going to begin a great way to soft launch is just to change your linkedin profile Mm. stick podcaster on there but be quite selective about it and make sure that if you're going to do it you're doing it because there's nothing worse than changing your linkedin profile and 100 people notice and then they notice that you've changed it back (laughs) (laughs) so make sure that you're you're doing that and and be a content curator yes um, I, that's a word I really like to use about this particular program. And I think the better podcasters do it well mm. because they just, you have a glance at their topics, you have a glance at their titles and you have a glance at their guest list and they have thought carefully about who's coming on the show. Mm. And um, there's certain genres that I won't have on the program. Yeah. Um, there's certain politicians I would never have on the program and right. it's all about aligning with those values. So it's kind of make yourself available, make yourself an educator, but at the same time be careful about what, what you're delivering and, yeah. and be honest and true to yourself. Otherwise yeah. you just sound false. Correct. Would you agree? Absolutely. Authenticity is very important and gets communicated whether you realise it or not. People often, often say about the cut through, don't they? And I think the cut through is that. Just be genuine and be yourself. Yeah, and consistent. Let's face it, it is a popularity contest and if people don't like you, they're just not going to listen to the podcast, sadly. I think it's just be yourself consistently mm. over time. Mm. And even even the people who might grate you with you or, or rub you up the wrong way, they're at least being consistent and being true to themselves. Yeah. There has to be some respect in that. So let's talk a little bit about um, engaging with your clients. So ultimately, uh, if you're not mad uh, like me and doing it for community reasons, you're doing this because you want to bring up your client base. Do you literally sit there and interview a client and go, great, thanks for coming on my show. Now give me some business? Uh, not exactly, no. I, If I do have clients on, one of my clients is an ex-BBC news anchor. She works for Al Jazeera now. 
I showcase them in a case study format. So I talk about what their situation was before I worked with them and what problem we set out to solve, then the work we did together, and then the results. So if you were to go to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 150, you can see a case study where I spoke to one of my other clients, Amanda Farmer. She's a lawyer. And we talked about how we used podcasting to grow her business and the results that she got. That's a great way of doing it because you're highlighting your expertise Yes. their expertise, but also a little bit of their vulnerabilities as well because they're saying, well, I was a bit crappy before and then after I went through this yeah. process, I am now better. Yeah. So that takes a very special person, doesn't it? And it's making them the hero, but it also gives your audience a chance to project or imagine themselves in that client's position mm. and see how they themselves can actually achieve that result. It's not you beating your chest and saying, look at how good I am. It's just a more tactful, diplomatic and respectful way of showcasing your skills without being sleazy about it. That's right. And the other really great way about pod, thing about podcasting with engaging with, I, I guess, is your audience ultimately potential clients? Is that how you think of it? Not to just some extent. Guests? To some extent. I mean, I see my audience as people that I want to help. Mm. That's the primary objective. And sure, if they end up becoming my clients, I'd be very grateful. I would love the opportunity to work with them. But I do prefer to work with people who are action takers because it is frustrating to work with people who talk about things, but then they don't do them. So really, in your case, and I imagine this is a case in a lot of podcasters, it's about positioning yourself as the expert, yes. as the broadcaster. Your, your guests are the experts as well, but you are the curator of the content. And then off the back of that, it's that reputation and your, um, your genuine persona that comes through and that's how you get clients. I guess I'm thinking of the philosophy a little bit here. Right, right. Why would you do this if not ultimately to talk to people? I can go out and have I coffee see. with someone instead and, and, and then make better use gotcha. of the time. Okay, so you're the curator, yes, but you're also the creator because you do need to bring your own content. I do in solo episodes as well. It's not just interview-based. Mm. You do need to bring your own content, your, your own skills and knowledge to the table. You have to have a value proposition and it's good for building relationships with these guests, but ultimately it's about positioning yourself as an authority by either by aligning yourself with other people who have authority, but over the long term, you still have to bring your own value to the table. You can't just align with other people of authority and bring nothing. I to like the, the idea of, of always so sporadically having episodes which is just yourself speaking oh, yes. about something. That, and you have to be pretty prepared for that because oh, talking yeah. to an empty room is, is tricky. And, and scripting it is very important then. Mm. Having a script before you do a podcast is very good because it helps you also in editing because you don't end up waffling so much and have to edit so much afterwards. Exactly. You almost have to treat yourself as though you're a guest and you have to guide yourself through the conversation yeah. so you don't waffle. With very my podcast editing clients, I actually recommend that they have a script so it makes our editing a bit easier. Indeed. And then the, obviously the other top tips that you, you recommend in some of your presentations are it's a very intimate way to connect with your audience, of course, because it's through um, the, the spoken voice. Um, it's the number one fastest growing medium, although we might see that peter off a little bit because it's becoming so popular. And uh, obviously it leverages the listenership once you get there as well, because once you've got the information there, then it, then it really does lever leverage it. Um, so, and it's cheap. It's not that expensive. I mean, I, we've got quite yeah. an amazing setup here because we're, we're live. Yeah. But um, if you look at some of the podcasters, then it's pretty, it's pretty important to, to think, what are you going to do set up? And I guess the most number one piece of equipment, what's, the, what's your top tip for the number one piece of equipment? I like using the Rode 
podcaster microphone with a Rode boom arm, and I'm proud to say it's made in Australia and it's used all around the world. Rode as in R-O-D-E. R-O-D-E. Thank you. Thank you for giving a little Australian business a plug there. So go check it out, everyone. fantastic. Awesome, awesome. And and you don't need uh, – oh, wait. Oh, that's right. You need that thing called the intraweb, which we all need. <laughs> Australian federal government will be having Julian Lisa on the program in a couple of weeks' time. So we look forward to asking him about the NBN, which was promised to us here in Hornsby about 24 months ago. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so uh, that's good. So we know about the uh, – you know, well, what it is that we – why we're doing it, what's our why for our, ourselves as, as beginning podcasts. But don't, whatever you do, set yourself up on, on iTunes – and have five episodes sitting there yes. because that is bad for your reputation, isn't it? If you're not going to continue on with it, yeah. get it off iTunes. Can you can you remove stuff off iTunes? Are you allowed? I think you can. I think you can request to have them removed, but so I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, you'd have to write to Apple. Write an and, Apple a letter. And, yeah, about two centuries later, you should be. <laughs> they should respond. But uh, in all seriousness, I think you need to think about it seriously. And if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But if you've decided to do it, do it. And do it consistently. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, ready, fire, aim. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Now, um, let's also talk about some other really great ideas that you, you mentioned in your presentation for launching mm-hmm. specifically. So some of the other things you say is um, listen to other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. So are you talking about specifically people who uh, do the same thing as you or just anyone? I think anyone. Just listen to other people's podcasts and see how you feel about their content, make some notes and form your own opinions about how you would like to be as a podcaster. Develop your own podcaster persona, if you like. And you can only do that by trying on different podcasts for size, if that makes sense. It's like trying on outfits. Yeah. So do you get the hairbrush and stand in front of the mirror in the bathroom and pretend to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Actually, you don't even need a hairbrush. Use your iPhone or oh, your smartphone. Record yourself and have a listen. And that, oh, well, that's a good point, actually, because um, as, as, as sort of cringy to use my 10 year old's daughter's expression as cringy as it is um i guess you do need to listen to yourself back to hear what it is that you sound like and your pace your pace and your tone is really important to work on i think but not before you launch are we talking before or after again Uh, well both both are okay but the key here is you know don't do it if it's going to discourage you Mm. but at the same time do it to try and learn more about how much value am i bringing to my audience how useful is this How actionable is this? Maybe ask a couple of friends to listen. Don't just listen yourself if you think that you're going to just end up demoralizing yourself. That's right, because then they're going to, they might be a little bit more gentle on you than than you are to yourself. I mean, I hated the sound of my voice. I still don't like it, but I keep on getting told by people that they think that they like hearing my voice, which is weird to me. Mm. But there you go. My point is um, record it and get feedback that encourages you, not discourages you. Yes, yeah. You curate your own feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we have the typical things of thinking about who your, I guess, who your um, your listenership is, who mm-hmm. is your ideal, for want of a better word, client. That's mm-hmm. your listeners. Uh, who are you speaking to? Yes. And then off the back of that, you might be surprised about who, who listens as well, get some anecdotal yes. evidence, who do you think might be interested in it put out the word on social media, test mm-hmm. some different strategies. But at the end of the day, I think what, what the main thing I got out of that presentation that you sent was consistency and content. Content yes. is king, consistency is key. Yeah. There's one more thing I would add, and that is, as you said earlier, getting to understand who your ideal client is, mm. what is called a customer avatar, or maybe do a 
an empathy map which allows you to think about what is my typical audience or customer thinking, hearing, feeling and doing when they listen to my content, before they listen to the content, after they listen to the content. So it gives you a feel for how your content is improving their lives. And you can listen to that on my 117th episode. Awesome. <laughs> Productiveinsights.com forward slash 117. 117. Now, that brings me neatly around to um, how can people find out a little bit more about your program and Productive Insights? Yeah, so Productive Insights has just launched a membership program and I'm currently accepting founding members. If you go to a website URL called getmetodone.com, that will take you to the membership arm of Productiveinsights.com. And you, if you put in the code free one month, all uppercase, you can get your first month off for free. Oh, is that especially for our listeners? Yes. Thank you, Ash. Uh, That's and, wonderful. And for my podcast listeners as well. Um, and you get a lot of value out of it because you get a face-to-face consultation with me, um, which is valued at $497. And you also get access to the my premium productivity course which helps you become more effective and focus on the 20% of your effort that delivers 80% of your results and so you can take the rest of the 80% off your plate. <laughs> now I presume you are not only on iTunes are you on the other things? Yeah I was on Stitcher when I last checked <laughs> and I had a SoundCloud account. I think I've disabled it. I mainly just focus on iTunes. Or you yeah. can just go to my website where I like to drive people because that's my real estate and that's ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast. And that's probably something that we, we didn't mention, which we could easily mention in another program once again, but uh, always have an accompanying website, even if it's something quite simple yes. with a pointer to iTunes. And don't forget the costs that are involved, apart from setting up the website, of course, you are going to need to pay for somewhere to host yes. your podcasts yes. because if that are 30 or 40 minutes or however long it is you're gonna that's a lot of content yeah so um, you host it on mm. amazon but always remember as you just said have your podcast on real estate that you can control and that is your website even itunes is not real estate you can control so yes. sure stream it to itunes yes but have it on your website too indeed and you're not going to get that for free so you're going to need to pay some money yeah. um i use a, a, a system called pod been, yep. which I think, are they Australian or are they American? But there are some Australian options as well yep, as it yep. is emerging as well. Um, I'd heard a rumour that Google has launched there as part of their suite yes. in the US, but have they, off, have they launched here yet? I'm not sure about that, I but I do know Google I wonder if that's the Google NBN has. holding them up. <laughs> uh, so, well, that, that's absolutely fantastic. We've, got, we've just covered so much today in, in the program, Ash. We've talked about launching, the reasons why you do it, the benefits to your business, content and curating it, deciding who comes on the program and of course continuing on and and the consistency. I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program today. You're most welcome. And if people want to find out more, tell us the website one more time. It's getmetodone.com and we will get you to done. Thank you for joining us on the program again, Ash. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me on. And we'll see you all next week on Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it.